Good evening. It is good to be together to worship God. What a marvelous period of worship we've already had. If you would be open your Bibles to Hebrews, the 13th chapter. In just a minute, we're going to look at four or five New Testament passages. Uh, just staying on our theme of, of blessings today, blessing the Lord and then the Lord blessing us and the ultimate blessing that we would hope to receive from God one day. And uh, we'll, we'll get into that in just a few moments. Hebrews, the 13th chapter. There have been several things I've been asked uh, to mention to you. They're important to our church family and, and even to those outside of our church family. Uh, first, there is a single mother. Uh, she's about 21 years old. She's pregnant. She has already has one child. She's pregnant. She was in foster care. She aged out of foster care. She went back to her mother. Uh, they just don't have much. And she was sleeping on a blow-up mattress and it no longer uh, holds air. And so now uh, she's sleeping on the floor. And so an agency called Jennifer Hargis and said, do you think your church family could help? It's wonderful to have that kind of reputation in the community. And so if you have any kind of mattress twin, full-size, queen-size mattress. If you have a bed, that's good, but that's secondary right now. What we need right now is a mattress. And so if you have that, if you will, be sure and, and just see me. I'll be out in the middle area of the foyer after services tonight. And uh, if you can help in that way, uh, that would be a wonderful blessing for this young mother. Uh, any of you that have been a part of the Timothy Hill Children's Ranch breakfasts, and you know about the expansion that, that they have done up north for many years, and they hope possibly to do that kind of expansion here in Tennessee soon. Uh, this is the problem they're trying to address. Uh, our children age out of foster care at an age that most of our kids that grew up in our own homes would not be able to take care of themselves, and yet they're coming out of foster care, and we expect them to take care of themselves, and they just can't do it. And uh, you feel for those uh, young people that are in that situation. Also, want to remind you, uh, if you do exit and go through the middle of the four you, you'll see that some have already began to put up their list of 10 things uh, for which they are thankful, and that's exciting to see. I want to encourage all of you to take advantage of that opportunity, and if you weren't here this morning, there are post-it notes on the ends of each of the pews, and uh, you might look down, and if somebody needs one of those, pass those down if you're on the edges. And our goal is for everybody in the congregation, and I, I want to strongly encourage you parents what a teaching opportunity to read a psalm uh, with your children and let them uh, whether you're writing for them or they're writing it themselves let them fill out 10 reasons why they want to bless the Lord also and and let's come up with a thousand uh, list of 10. Some of us will need to fill out a couple because uh, just to complete it, but, but let's, let's really, let's, let's come up with one or two lists of 10 each and uh, let's, let's have the middle of the foyer just posted anywhere in the middle of the foyer there. And our goal is by next Sunday evening uh, to have a thousand list of 10 uh, reasons why we would bless the Lord. Also, we're thankful to give you a good report of Don Humphrey, Tim Brumfield. They are in South Sudan. They are doing some Jesus seminars while they're there. They have a solar powered uh, type of DVD player and they're able to hang a sheet and show a movie about Jesus Christ. 
And it is very effective and great reports are coming back from that. The clinic has been resupplied with medicine. A contractor has been found for the new maternity wing. And on this next picture, we see Don speaking to some kindergartners. These particular kindergartners are too poor to go to a, a school uh, that if they had money, they could go to. And so they gather and a church there is providing a type of kindergarten for them. Don is, is speaking to that kindergarten class. And then on the next picture, we also see the latest graduating class of our preachers. And that is exciting there to know that these guys are leaving the school there, going out equipped to teach the gospel. As we think about things that you're thankful for, uh, we're making lists of hundred in our traditional way. I mentioned to you this morning, I'd reveal the guy that loves chainsaws and weed eaters. And I know many of you thought it was up Brother Albert England, but it wasn't. It was Glenn Kaufman. And uh, David Burka, I don't think he likes chainsaws and weed eaters. He likes to see Venus, the morning star, early in the morning, a kiss and a prayer before going to work in the morning. And these guys listed other things, but for expediency's sake, Jack Cronk mentions, I thank God for unanswered prayers, and I thank God for giving me a faithful wife. Wayne Williamson mentions, it's cold outside, and I'm thankful I don't have to shovel snow. Uh, any of you who lived up north knows what that's all about. Also, he mentioned one of his also was thankful for our Christian youth and our youth ministry here at Mount Juliet. What a blessing. Kevin Mann mentioned that he was thankful for the manifold class and seeing people at Kroger that you know and his faithful parents. Jamie Gillespie, a couple that he mentioned on his list was that he's thankful for the opportunity to serve in the Lord's church and spend time with the precious souls that are not able to be here on Sundays. Jamie goes out like a few of our guys and Sunday afternoons he serves the Lord's supper and has a worship service with shut-ins in their home, uh, takes the PowerPoint notes and he goes over the lesson with those, sings songs with them, prays with them, serves the Lord's supper. And I tell you, anytime I drop by and visit anybody that Jamie is doing that with, they can't say high enough words of praise for how they have come to love Jamie Gillespie. And so he's thankful, he says, for that ministry. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of other people thankful for that. And then he says, I'm thankful for hamburgers with bacon and hot pepper cheese and all the fixings. Now let's go eat. That would be good, wouldn't it? All right, we will in just a moment. Also, while you're looking at a turkey here and, and thinking of things we're thankful for, let me remind you that there's still about 20 uh, that, that uh, if you could get your things in ASAP uh, to send down support uh, for a holiday meal to our preaching brothers and sisters in uh, Latin America, the preachers and their wives and families and all. And if you could get that in tonight, it'd be great. If not, really, really, really try to get it in by Wednesday. And if you're gonna be out of town uh, traveling, if you could get it by before you leave, just so that particular work can be wrapped up. We appreciate Brett Hampton and all the work that he is putting in on that. Do keep in mind, we're going to leave the prayer stations up another week. It's just been such a blessing. And, um, you know, if it's one of those things uh, you, you can carve the time out to do, I can assure you this. As you're leaving, you will be thankful you did it. Guarantee it. And so try to find some time to come by and spend some time there in meditation and study and in prayer to God. Also, we look so forward to hearing uh, and being led by uh, some of you deacons on Wednesday evening. I look so forward to that service each year. Uh, we look forward to an update in the e-messenger of the Thanksgiving baskets that were passed out Saturday. And we're thankful for all of you that were a part of that. And we'll try to give you a greater update on that in, uh, tomorrow on your e-messenger. Thanksgiving. Abraham Lincoln 
when he was given a proclamation in October 3rd of 1863 that he believed it would be best for all Americans to set aside a day that collectively they would give thanks to God. And this is just a portion of what he said. Blessings, that's why I wanted to start with this this evening. Blessings are the gracious gifts of the Most High God who while dealing with us and our anger for our sin hath nevertheless remembered mercy. It seemed to me fit and proper that they should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged as with one heart and one voice by the whole American people. I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November next as the day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in heaven. Does it kind of sadden you that the commercial aspect of Christmas is really crowding out Thanksgiving? I was so shocked when the third week in October I began to walk in stores and just see all of this heavy display of Christmas things. Your preacher's not standing here saying it's sin. I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying it's a little bit heartbreaking to see that what an opportunity for us as a nation to capitalize on Thanksgiving. And you know, many of us remember not that long ago, stores didn't break out anything about Thanksgiving until after Thanksgiving. And now if you go in many stores and, and many areas of, of decoration, you just get the feeling that somebody has totally forgotten Thanksgiving. Well, it's not our place to operate businesses. And so that's not why I'm saying this. I'm saying this for this reason. It is our place to manage our life. It is our place to manage our family. And I want to strongly encourage you to not allow this opportunity to spend extra time in gratitude. Don't let anything crowd that out. How important it is for us to be grateful. A second thought I'd like to share with you as we begin this lesson. We have been studying this morning out of Psalm 34 and also out of Psalm 103, which I thought it was interesting. One of you passed by me in the foyer uh, this morning and said, you know, for years I read Psalm 103 every night before I went to bed. What a beautiful exercise to read a great psalm of blessing and praise every night. But when I think about this, I couldn't help but think, isn't it wonderful that you and I have the opportunity and even as Christians the responsibility to bless the Lord, to praise the Lord? And isn't it wonderful that we don't have to kind of like twist things around and, and make up things? You know what I mean? Like it's all genuine. Like he really is that great. We don't have to pull the, well, I can illustrate it. You have to figure out how it works in your life. As a, as a finicky eater growing up, and yet, at the same time, growing up with a good mother 
You know, you learned all that hospitality stuff, you know, like, hey, when you go to someone's house, you always compliment the cook. And yet I grew up usually going to someone's house and, and hating everything they put on my plate. And, you know, I remember sitting in meals first trying to figure out how do I make it look like I really ate this stuff when there's not a thing on my plate that I like. And then how do I get up from the table and say something good about the food when I didn't like a bit of it? You know, and, and I remember those moments as a young boy trying to figure out how to handle that. And, and as I studied this week thinking about blessing the Lord, I just thought, isn't it wonderful? We don't have to twist anything around. He really is that great. He really is that awesome. He really is that wonderful. And so if we're sitting at any point in our life and thinking, well, I, I don't really know what I would bless the Lord for. You know, that really ought to be a wake-up call to us to say, are you really losing touch with God? Because if we truly know God, we literally could each list 10,000 reasons why we love Him, and not one of them would be a stretch. Not one of them would we have to twist something around in any way. Hebrews, the 13th chapter, the Hebrew writer is closing out. He's mentioned about Jesus going outside the camp and dying for us, thinking about Jesus being that sacrifice. And Hebrews, the 13th chapter in verse 15 and 16, he then takes the idea of sacrifice and brings it over to us. And he says, therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name, but do not forget to do good and to share for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Isn't it interesting here that the, the sacrifice that we're to bring, Cain and Abel, one of the first stories in the Bible, what were they to do? They were to bring a sacrifice to God. All throughout the old covenant, what was Israel to do? Israel was to bring sacrifice to God. And sometimes, I'm sure people don't mean it as bluntly as they say it. And sometimes people say, oh, now that's Old Testament stuff. In the New Testament, we don't bring sacrifice to God. That's wrong. If we're truly coming together to worship God, Worship is pouring out our love and adoration to him. And that's what he's talking about right here. We look at Jesus dying on the cross and we say, look at the sacrifice that he gave for us. And then Jesus looks back and says, now I want you to continually offer sacrifice of praise. And that word of praise is to esteem and carries with it not only of esteem, but this word carries with it also of esteem and thanksgiving. And so perhaps that's why the very next lines when it says the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. That's the theme right here. Are you thankful for all he has done? Well, let the words coming out of your lips continually say that you are thankful to God for all that he's done. Let that be the sacrifice in our life. But it should never stop with just words. You know, and that's what James makes very clear in his book, that, that faith without works is dead. And so it's, it's one thing to just go out and speak the right thing, but it's another thing when those words are genuine because they're connected to a heart and to a life that will go far beyond just words. And I want you to notice, we just read it, but look again there in 16. He gives a contrast with the word but. It's almost like, let me, let me have your attention here. But do not forget to do good and to share. 
In other words, he says, hey, when you're bringing this sacrifice of praise to me, don't then pull the old card of, well, I went to, sun, to church on Sunday and, and I really, I praise God. And then we go about our business on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday and we say, oh, I don't, I don't care if there's a single mom sleeping on the floor somewhere. <laughs> no problem with me, she ought to got herself a bed. I don't care. I don't care if that woman with a flat tire on the side of the road is trying to figure out what to, let her, let her fix it. She should have trip away. I don't care that, that I have a, 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 a widow that in my life that's going through a difficult time simply because it's the holiday season. Lord says, don't get in your mind this idea that you come and sing praises to me and you let the sacrifice of your lips, the fruit of your lips be thankful to me. And then you go about your business and not see all the people that I've put in your life. He says, that's a disconnect that should not exist. And so what does he want? He wants that humble heart that would lead us to Jesus' feet, that we would naturally praise him because we're humbled before him. He wants that humbled heart to cause us to see people in a valuable way. See how this humility works? When it is genuinely when the humility is genuine, it is because we see the greatness of God that we are humbled. But then he empowers us with a compassionate heart to see the needs and truly care for others. To take this along the same lines, if you will, look over to James, the third chapter. In James, the third chapter, Many of us immediately recognize James 3 as a great passage on the tongue. And, and that's primarily what he's teaching on here. But I'd like for you to, to see the direct and even the, 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 sub, uh, the underlying message here. Look in James 3, 8, 9, and 10. Uh, he, he's been talking about the tongue since the beginning of this chapter. And, and for time's sake, we're not going to review that. Just jump right in in verse 8. But no man can tame the tongue. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it, we, what do we do? We bless our God. That's the same word. Notice that. You know, if someone says, hey, I know we've been reading a lot in the Old Testament about blessing God. Is, does the New Testament ever talk about blessing God? Yeah. Right here, he's talking about with our tongue, we're supposed to bless God and Father. And with it, we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessings and cursing my brethren, these things ought not to be so. Now tie that into what we just studied in Hebrews. Hebrews was the positive statement of it. Let's come together and let's offer a sacrifice of praise to God and let's go about and let's constantly use our life to do good, to bless others. And then he turns around in James and he says, wait a minute. You're telling me, in the very next verses here, from one spring is going to come bitter water and sweet water? It doesn't happen that way. Well, the teaching leading into that was, you're telling me you're going to go and you're going to bless God, but you're going to curse mankind? You're going to say words of praise to God and you're going to gossip at the office tomorrow? You're going to stab somebody in the back? You're going to bear false witness about them? 
And that's when he says, these things ought not to be so. You see, a life that is truly blessing God ought to also be a life that says good things about other people. What'd your mama always say? If you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. Do you have anything good to say about God? Say it. Do you have anything good to say about other people? You ought to be looking for good to say about other people. But when there's bad that can be said, that's when you need to think, what should be coming out of these lips? Not sweet and bitter. What comes out of these lips ought to be praise to God and praise to fellow man. And if I don't have something good to say to fellow man, let me not say anything at all. But look with me, if you would, First Peter, the third chapter. He's going to pick up there, and he's going to take this even a step further. First Peter, the third chapter, he's talked about wives in the first part of the, the chapter. He's talked about husbands in the seventh verse. And then finally, he kind of throws an umbrella over everybody. Let's just talk about the whole family. And uh, this would probably be good for us to think about in the holidays when family's getting together. And, and look what he says in First Peter 3 and 8. Finally... All of you be of one mind. That sounds like language that Paul used a lot in Philippians. So that'd be the mind of Christ. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil. So someone in your family does you evil, don't return evil for evil. Or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, and here's our word for the day, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. So he says, you're going to get together over the holidays and, and somebody in the family is going to speak something negative that it just strikes you the wrong way. It hurts your feelings. It was mean-spirited. It was, it was an oversight on their part, but yet it hurts you just as much. And right there, you got to pause and say, according to this, what have I been called to? And he says, our nature would be evil for evil. You mistreated me, I want to mistreat you. And he gives a reminder here and he says, but you're not living by the flesh anymore. You've been called now to live by the Spirit. And our Lord was the perfect example. When evil was brought to him, he returned a blessing. And that's literally what he's speaking there. When a curse comes your way, verbalize a blessing. But then did you notice the word blessing was used twice here? Did you notice the second time that it was used at the end? That you may inherit a blessing. Now, if I said to you this evening, you're going to inherit the blessing of heaven, we'd just say, that's great, and we can just move right on. But what if there's a little bit of a deeper implication here? What if he's talking about the blessing that we inherit are the words of praise to us from God? Someone curses us, we don't return a curse back to them. We return a blessing to them because that we've been called. But why would we do that? Because we're living now to inherit a blessing. Turn to Matthew, the 25th chapter. 
Matthew the 25th chapter and let's see how this inheritance goes. In Matthew the 25th chapter, this is what we're living for. Uh, Matthew 25 gives several stories and even when you come out of the last half of the 24th chapter, several either teachings and our stories that teach us about the end time when Jesus comes again. Uh, in 31, if you have your Bible open, you see that the Son of Man's gonna come. In 32, all the nations gonna be gathered. And now on the screen, you see verse 33, Matthew 25, 33. And notice, he says, and he will set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, come you, who? Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. What do you want to hear on the day of judgment? Do you want to hear a blessing from the father? Or do you want to hear condemnation from the father? He says, come, you blessed of the father. Well, what would that blessing sound like? Well, in this same teaching here, back up to the 25th chapter and verse 23, you remember the parable of the talents and, and to the two servants in this story that did very well and they honored their master? Look what is said, for example, in 23. Look what was said to the one that gained two more talents. In 23, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. That's a blessing we want to hear. To stand before God, before Jesus on the day of judgment. And he looks at us. What's going to come out of his mouth? What kind of praise would come out of his mouth? Well done? Or depart from me? I never knew you. Now listen. I'm not the one that put this into play here. We just left a passage where he said the reason you would speak blessings to people that are treating you evil is because on this day, you want to receive the blessing of the inheritance. Our love for God ought to be that we want to spend an eternity with Him. But it's God who regularly views eternity with a space between earth and eternity. And that space is judgment. God's the one that has put that into place and he's the one that regularly speaks of it. What do you want to receive on judgment? Do you want to receive that blessing? I'm not suggesting to you that this is all that is meant by Matthew the 10th chapter in verse 32 and 33. But I am suggesting to you that 
After studying this week, I couldn't help but think of this passage and, and really my, my idea of understanding, if you will, of confession really is, is a little bit broader here when he says in Matthew 10 and 32, therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him will I confess before my Father who is in heaven. Whoever denies me before men, him will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. How will you speak about God this week? Will your words this week about God be blessings? How will you speak to others this week? Even if what they bring feels like a curse to you, will you still offer a blessing? Well, why would I do that? Because God said, you've been called to that so that you can inherit a blessing. And in Matthew 25 says, come you blessed of the Father. And a few verses above, we see what that verbiage was. And the verbiage of the blessing is, well done. Enter into the joy. What a beautiful thought. As we look at all of the ways that we have the opportunity to bless God, He's blessed us, and etc. I don't have a slide for this, but I want us to close tonight by reading 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter in the last verse. This is the only reason and the only way it's possible. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. I'll back up and read 20 and then 21. 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21. I love to hear your pages turning. I was, I was thinking earlier, so many now use some kind of digital Bible and that's great. But I wonder if we could get somebody to invent that whenever you're using your digital Bible, you'd have the sound effect of page turning. That would really be a neat thing for settings like this. All right, so we look at 2 Peter 5. Notice, and let's close with 20 and 21. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on God's behalf, be reconciled to God. And so we pause there and say, how can we be reconciled to God? God is so perfect, he's so powerful, and I'm a sinner. How could I ever come before God? Well, notice this close in 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's reason to bless God. A week ago, Brother Wayne Williamson stood here and when he prayed during the Lord's Supper, he said something to this effect. And we're thankful for Jesus who went and died in the cross in our place. That is such a simple straightforward and beautiful way to word th that thanksgiving. God looks at Jesus and sees our sin. He looks at us and sees the righteousness of Jesus. Let that sink in. That is reason to bless the Lord. There's not a one of us here perfect but all of us can leave here tonight as children of God. We can leave here with every reason to bless the Lord. We can leave here tonight 
determined to reach that high calling that this week we're going to speak high praise of God and we're going to speak praise of fellow man. Because we're living for that ultimate praise that we want to hear one day where God looks at us and says, well done, good and faithful servant. Tonight, if we can help you in any way, if you're ready to be immersed into Christ or if you're ready to be restored, if we can help you,